0: The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How
1: about
2: you, Cowboys? Yeah! Cowboys!
0: This, 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 this is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Down. Streaks in. Streaks in.
2: Touchdown! touchdown.
0: Has Prescott keeps it and he bangs it into the touchdown.
2: And now your hosts, Isaiah Standback, Patrick Walker, Nick Harris. And Kyle Yeomans. It's a Tuesday edition of Talking Cowboys, presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company, live from the star in Frisco in the SWBC studios, the brand New SWBC Studios inside the Star as we are back from training camp and we are getting gearing up for the second leg of training camp here at the Star in Frisco and then also for the regular season with Isaiah Stanback, Nick Harris, John Machota. I'm Kyle Yeomans. The entire crew is here and good thing because we've got some new digs to talk about, gentlemen.
3: Yeah, yeah, new indeed. How do you like it? I love it. I love it. I, I, we were talking about it earlier, about how every show just kind of has a different feel to it, which I really appreciate. That's that's, uh, that's big time to whoever designed it, I guess.
4: John, you liked the last studio, but... I mean, I like the last studio. This is, this is better, but I mean, the last studio, I thought was really nice, too, you know? uh. I mean, if you guys seen how plain and boring my place was, like, there's just only a couple pictures on the wall, like, no plants or anything. I mean, it just looks like you can really just do a simple move in and out. Uh, so to see all this stuff and how quickly they changed everything, like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's really nice.
2: Yeah, we just got up, went to training camp, came back, and this yeah. is what it looked like. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. This is, uh, yeah, this is a good vibe. It's a good vibe. Got
1: TVs all over the place, cameras, high def, uh, a little branding on the wall. Exact Martin's
4: on the wall. Mm-hmm. Wonder when that was done,
1: um, <laughs> but it, it looks good.
4: I always wonder, like, Optimal who makes thinking. these things? <laughs> like, is this like who's making? Like, is that your job full time? Do people just make sets? Are, are there enough? Yeah. Do enough people need sets that your full time job is is to make sets? That's because a good what point. else would you do? I mean, I don't know how making this table would be similar to be making like a table for someone's house or something like that. So. Yeah. I always wonder, like I always thought about that on SportsCenter, because SportsCenter are always, you know, trying to switch stuff up and things like that. I'm like, who's doing this? Yeah, like, is that your full-time job?
2: I think it is a full-time job for for certain design companies, but like you said, I mean, you're not just going to put this in your uh, your house. Like, this isn't going to be in your dining room. And hey, where's the old one? It, see, that's the thing. I hear they're taking bids on the old one. So if you want to try at All it, it's right. in it's in the, it's in the other it room. In it's in the storage. You can that's take cool. some bids on how it. How do you determine what the cutout is?
3: Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. Mm. That's a great question. Is it standard? I don't know.
2: What is standard? <laughs> what, what, would you, what would you call standard? We had to make sure Nate fitted in between. Ah, <laughs> so. It's got to be Nate, new, new, new Nate, size. or old Nate. <laughs> mm.
3: Old Nate, just in
2: case. Oh, just in case. <laughs> it's a good
3: idea. It's
2: a good idea. All right, let's get into it. Preseason game number two is in the books. Twenty two fourteen. 14 the Cowboys fall to Seattle on Saturday. Isaiah, it was a pleasure being in the booth with you for mm-hmm. the last two games. You're going to kill it this week because I'll be – a not in the booth. We'll have some high school football to deal with. So, um, Michael Irvin will come and replace me, so he'll do a great job, I guess. Um, Michael Irvin. Who's that? He I played, played back up. in the day at some point. So, uh, But, yeah, Seattle takes down Dallas. There was a lot to learn, I think, in that game, John. Whenever you go back and you look at the film, there, there was a lot going thing. on. <laughs> there was a lot going on. Both sides of the football. We'll get to the injuries in a couple moments, but what were your overall takes?
4: So I think by this point, we should be used to the fact that, okay, Jalen Tolbert has made this jump, but there's still always just, I don't know, man, these last couple of weeks, I'm, just, I'm impressed. And I I think it goes back to kind of, it's all about your perception. What were you expecting of the player? And maybe my expectations were too low, but from what I've seen from him, and he carried it over into the Seattle game, Like I kind of just feel like he's he's ready to contribute. Like, it's not can he win the number four job like if they need him on a Sunday I I feel pretty confident in what they have in him and the other thing that has stood out to me this entire time about Jalen Tolbert Isaiah would obviously know this a lot better than I would but just the fact that from practice to games whatever it's not like he's always playing with the same quarterback either you know like CeeDee Lamb's probably not going to catch many passes from anybody other than Dak Prescott and Mm -hmm. whether it's game practice whatever like I feel like Tolbert You know, I mean, I've seen him make some great grabs out at camp from Will Greer. And then he plays with Cooper Rush and seems like everything clicks there. Um, So let's see how it goes when he's with Dak. But uh, I've been very impressed with Jalen Tolbert.
1: What did you think about him? Yeah, Tolbert did a good job. I think he's been relatively consistent all all training camp, all the way through the preseason. So, I mean, he's definitely showing up. He's becoming the guy that everybody really hoped he would have been last year. Sometimes it takes a little bit more time for some guys. Um, but either way, the light bulbs come on, and his LED. is not halogen. So, he's doing <laughs> he, he's shining bright like a diamond.
4: For sure. Do you think it would be the same thing if for him if, let's say, they stayed with Kellen Moore and it was the same offense? Or do you think that this offense helps – him acclimate quicker or do you think it's all on just him that hey he put the work in it wouldn't matter
1: I mean that's a good question I I don't think any of us can really put our finger on it Um, I think that he definitely has grown in his confidence Um, he his off-season approach seemingly seemed different Uh, he came in 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 better shape it looked like he's ready for camp Um, but then I think a lot of these shorter routes kind of play to his favor um kellen moore a lot majority of his routes were kind of pushed down the field that's not to say that Jalen tober can't run routes down the field i just think that he's able with his frame to win on these slant routes and you saw him kind of set it up and even in the first quarter you know set guy outside come across his face and right being able to make a, a good solid strong catch at the point of um you know high point the ball all those type of things are really working in his favor so um that's going to obviously benefit him in um, his positioning to be able to be the fourth guy on this roster um, and we know that the fourth guy is going to get some tick uh, on, on this team so you know he's put he's definitely done a great job of positioning himself
3: I, I will say just having a new system and being able to come into this new year with a new system it allows for a complete refresh for him and I, I think it benefited him arguably more than than anybody coming into their second year, uh, just because he, he's allowed to regain that confidence in a completely new system. He's allowed to pick up those things and kind of just throw away everything that happened last year. And um, I, I think he's been able to do that really well. The confidence is stacking each and every day. I mean, we see it every time he hits the field. And you were talking about just kind of a developed route tree he's starting to have which is really fun in this offense because he can do the short stuff he can do the stuff downfield as well we've seen that through the two preseason games um, I, I think he had a pass in the first quarter on Saturday where it was downfield on the sideline just got physical with his guy mm-hmm. uh, it uh, shook off DPI wasn't OPI this time and I asked him after I was like did you think it was maybe OPI they're throwing it on you again and he was like "Nah, it couldn't have been that time but um,
4: and it was not Michael Jackson who's a was. guy that is a player that it's yeah. not like it's a guy that's not going to be on a roster you know that's the thing so often in preseason, people will be like, oh, but who was he doing against? But, I mean, Michael Jackson's a pretty good corner. Absolutely, it, He's
2: probably going to start for Seattle, opposite of Tariq Woolen, who was, of course, a pro bowler last year as a rookie. So I, I think you have options with Jalen Tolbert. This is a Rankum that's on DallasCowboys.com. If you didn't check it out already, it, it was really well done by the entire team. Uh, Rankum selecting all Oxnard teams as camp ends, at least camp on the Oxnard on the West Coast. Brandon Cooks was number four, so that was the top wide receiver mentioned. CD Lamb was number six, and Jalen Tolbert was right behind him at number seven. CD Lamb has made a name for himself in Oxnard the last couple of years, and he's made a name for himself for other reasons too. But the the fact that he's always been the number one receiver to watch, and the fact that Jalen Tolbert is right up there, snug next to him, because of his performance and what he did on the West Coast, I think is a huge plus for this offense because it's almost like adding. If he can continue this. It's adding a receiver in the offseason that you didn't have last year, adding another weapon that you didn't have last year, and it just opens up the possibilities across the board.
3: I do have a question. Do you think he's closer, and I know it's early. He he needs to prove it in the regular season, don't get me wrong, but do you think he's closer to pushing Michael Gallup than someone is to push him at this point?
2: Ooh, talking about for wide receiver three? Yeah. If you take the paycheck out of it.
3: Yeah, that makes (laughs) sense. That makes sense for sure.
2: Yeah, but I, I mean, even without the paycheck involved, mm-hmm. you're still going to get targets because it's game time. You might get fed targets. <laughs> <laughs> it's not how it works, Kyle. No, uh, no, I'm <laughs> not.
0: I'm not, not no,
1: I, Michael Gallup is going to get the three reps no matter what. I don't think Dak
2: to... Prescott is
1: paying Michael Gallup, my yeah. dude. No, but, but the other guys he's going to
2: throw the ball. If Jalen Tolbert's open, he's going to get Jaylen, the ball. The Tolbert's
1: not going to be on the field because four receivers are hardly ever going to be, be on the field. Yeah. So Michael Gallup is number three guy, and because of his paycheck, Rotation. he'll be on the he'll be on the field.
3: Yeah, especially with the way this offense likes to use tight ends, and I. I I've been thinking about that. You know, Jalen Tolbert's had this great camp. He's doing so many good things in preseason, but when can we see him on the field in the regular season? How is that going to work? I, I, I've just kind of been thinking about that. I'm curious to see that in week one, how many snaps he really gets, but I think it'll be intriguing nevertheless. Does it
2: help in the fact that last year, whenever they did have the three wide receivers, the, the, or the so-called three wide receivers that you kind of went with, which was Lamb, Gallup, and Noah Brown... There really wasn't there was a there was a distance gap between the three and the four. So now that you have a a closer four than you did last year, maybe there is a better rotation between the two. Michael Gallup last year was expected to come back from injury and be wide receiver two to C D Lamb. That was the expectation for Mike. It didn't live up to that expectation because partially I think he rushed back from the injury. He wasn't completely healthy and he pushed through it because he's a team player and he was trying to be available for his squad. But now There aren't those expectations for Michael Gallup. The paycheck says one thing, no doubt. But Jalen Tolbert has a a top 100 tag on him as well. He was a third-round pick. There's a pride factor in that as well. He's going to get opportunities just as much as Michael Gallup does. I understand there's a paycheck, but there's also draft stock, and there's a pride that goes back and forth between the two of them. I think he's going to see a significant rotation. Now, is he expected to be a 1,000-yard receiver? Is he going to be on the field as a starter? Probably not. He's going to have to do it in rotation. But, John, I I think whenever you look at Jalen Tolbert, he's earned that rotation just based off the way that he's practiced and the way that he's played in these two preseason games already.
4: Yeah, I just feel like there's always going to be injuries in football. And, you know, you mentioned getting to Noah Brown, Cedric Wilson. There's just been guys over the years where, yeah, maybe right off the start of the season, you don't necessarily think that you're going to get a lot from them, but just the way the position is played and and how physical the game is. You just never know when something's going to happen, and then you have to be called on immediately to step in. So in a way, I mean, if he doesn't play a ton this season, maybe it's a good sign for the Cowboys that because that meant all your top three receivers performed and they all stayed healthy. But that's also, you also got to be realistic. I mean, it's a long season and, and injuries happen. And, there, and and when I say injuries, too, I don't even mean necessarily the, oh, this guy tore an ACL. He's out for the season. I'm talking about in the middle of a game, you know, a guy twists his knee, something he has to come out, like for a few plays or something. Jalen Tolbert is going to have to step in right away. And from what we've seen, he looks like he can handle that. Whereas last year, I mean, that's why you went out and got T.Y. Hilton, because you didn't know if you had that next guy that, that could kind of step up. And now they have to feel good about what they have there.
2: Now, what about the defensive side of the football? (laughs) Because the defense, of course, you're not seeing any starters, Isaiah. But what did you see on Saturday against Seattle? And and what were some of the things that you took away from that one?
1: Uh, I feel as if the defensive line was doing a good job of getting up the field. um, But I don't think there was a lot of gap discipline there in the game um obviously with their quarterback being able to take off a bunch Uh, so there's some some holes there that they have to shore up um obviously we'll get to the injury stuff Mm -hmm. the secondary you know wayne thomas he's had one heck of a preseason i mean even without the interception that dude is flying around um even towards the end of the game. I'm, I was watching him on plays where nobody's even looking at him. And I'm like, this dude is playing still with a ton of energy left. Um, so I'm super proud of him and what he's been able to produce in the, in the preseason. This The young secondary, um, you know, the Eric Scott juniors of the world, um, those guys still have a lot to learn seemingly about just awareness, kind of just proprioception, just being aware of where they're, where they're at in space. Um, there's a lot of opportunities I think we saw in the game where they were unaware of where the ball was at. Um, and those are things that you know that you learn, right? You see it on film, you experience it, you see it on film. You know Al Harris coaches them up, and then they're ten times better the next couple opportunities. But in terms of what we've seen so far, I think awareness, spatial awareness, is important. Um, eye discipline is, is something that also needs to be shored up on. But when when you're in that position, you're so locked in as a young player, you're so locked in. Even a draft pick, because you're not guaranteed on this roster on that side of the ball that you're going to be retained. Um, you're you're locked in on your assignment. And sometimes when you're so intent on trying to do your assignment, you forget some of the other tangible things that you that also are required, the other attributes that are required for you to be a holistic player. Um, and that's really the battle for young guys in the preseason. And it's frustrating because it's like, oh, I did this, but God, dog, and I forgot about this. You know, uh, and those one little things. You know, I, I, I did a good job. I, I got my hand on him at the line of scrimmage. I shadowed him. I got my hand on the hip. I stayed with him the whole route. But shoot, I forgot to turn around and find the ball. And there's a completion, right? And it's like the ultimate goal. Was still achieved by the by the offensive player because you missed that one little checkbox. So overall, they're looking relatively good. Just got to tighten up some things with some of the younger guys. Um, looking forward to seeing the the ones obviously here really in a, in a couple weeks uh, putting it all out there. But in terms of these guys, they're they're, they're coming along as you would expect in the preseason.
4: Yeah. I think it's all. T- I do I just want to end on that real quick. Is just I think it's funny how you mentioned about guys potentially like young guys having nerves because I think a lot of fans would watch these games and be like. It's a preseason game. Mm-hmm. Nine o'clock start in Seattle. Like you as a fan might not take it that serious because Dak's not out there and twenty-five veterans aren't out there. But to these guys, this is everything. Yep. This is yeah. you know a little mistake. I remember you talking about it early in camp when we, were, when we had one of our first shows about how like one little thing you'll remember for the rest of your mm-hmm. life if it like so. I think it's easy sometimes to kind of, if you're a fan, not think about it, especially in the second half of some of these games, because you're just like, who really, you know, I was watching the tail end of the game that was on right before the Cowboys game on NFL Network with the the Bears, and it was just dragging on, and I'm sitting there as a fan going, just run the clock and get this game over with, nobody cares, but... Mm. These players care. The players that are out there, this means a lot to them. And so I always think about that too when people talk about just get rid of the preseason. You don't need the preseason. Yeah, that's fine for some of your starters, but like there's a <laughs> lot of guys that they want these preseason games, and the coaching staff wants it so they can evaluate them. Yeah, the preseason's unforgiving uh, on all
3: three in all three phases of the game. It's unforgiving. I, I think we saw special teams. Uh, the punt, the the, uh, the the punt that got Block. blocked on Saturday night. Mm. You know, Rico had this great game, and that's that's the thing that's focused on afterward. You know, so uh, it, it's unforgiving at times but I wanted to especially highlight Eric Scott uh, talking Mm -hmm. about the defensive side of the ball because I feel like we saw the highest of what his potential could be and we also saw the first year Mm -hmm. learning curve that he still has to take the highest potential being on the very first drive getting two pass breakups on Tyler Lockett yes I'm saying two because one of them was definitely out of bounds it's not a completion (laughs) so I'm accounting for him he's probably getting graded out that way by the staff too so like if he's going to get graded out that way then that's how we should treat it Um, and and then another one that forced a a fourth down did did fantastic job against Mm -hmm. the ones in that first drive but then later. Later, later in the first half uh, gave Jackson Smith and Jigba inside leverage and if you have, if you know anything about Jackson Smith and Jigba he's going to take advantage of that every single time quick release slant he was gone I, I will give Eric Scott credit though he he was able to pick up uh, ground on him and at least uh, get into a position to make a play but uh, Jackson's Jackson and he did his thing but um, hey, I, I'm really excited to see what his process looks like I think I think um, you know give him a year in the system mm-hmm. let him you know maybe take a valuable rep here or there as the season goes on you know just to get, just get his feet wet but i think he's eventually going to be a contributor on this team for sure
2: Correct. i'm excited about some of these these young players and i, I was excited about a couple young players that went down on saturday as well and and we're going to get to that when we come back on the other side of the break Demarvin overshone john Stevens jr both torn acls and and just ultimately uh, a gut punch for two guys that had great camps were really finding a role on this team both offensively for stevens and then of course overshone on the defensive side but when we come back Let's talk about how the Cowboys have to react now. Are they okay at linebacker? Do they have enough at this young tight end room to keep you confident going into the regular season? Or should some moves be made? We'll even talk about the offensive line a little bit when we come back with more Talking Cowboys right after this.
5: Ease your mind and let Black Rifle worry about your coffee supply. Go to blackriflecoffee.com to join the coffee club today.
2: Want to use the Cowboys' locker room's favorite products? Check out the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Playmaker, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The Playmaker includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word COWBOYS. The Jack Black Playmaker, 10 bucks, free shipping.
6: Hey, honey, can we talk?
2: Of course, what's up?
6: Well, I just thought you should know I've been curious about The new Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream.
3: (gasps) Have you felt this way a long time?
6: No, I just think I'd really like the taste of Dr. Pepper swirled with layers of flavor.
3: If you feel that way, I think you should
1: try it, babe.
6: It's amazing. I mean, you're amazing, too.
0: (laughs) New Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream. The new flavor you deserve. back to talking cowboys
3: back
2: here on talking cowboys this portion of the show is brought to you by quaker oats a super trusted superfood quaker oats the official oatmeal sponsor of the dallas cowboys it's segment number two in our brand new swbc podcast studio nick harris john Machoda, isaiah Stanback. i'm kyle yeomans now Two guys go down, three guys technically, if you want to mat- count Matt Wiletsko as well. Not a, nearly as serious for Matt Willetzko, but we'll talk offensive line here in a couple moments. Torn ACL for DeMarvian Overshone, third-round pick out of Texas. Linebacker who was shining in the preseason. I talked to Dan Quinn just a couple days before the game against Seattle, and I asked him, which young guy has he been most impressed with? And he gave me DeMarvy and Overshown. That was the first name out of his mouth. He did, He ended up saying Eric Scott Jr. To your point in the last segment, but Dan was very complimentary about Overshown and his versatility, his talent level. I thought he was very high on, on what he had, and and to see him go down was a gut punch. I know Isaiah, you and I were oh, surrender Cobra in the in the booth. <laughs> um, <and> Sorry, <laughs> I, I, I I said it like kind of in a joking manner. Yeah, we yeah. were both like this in the booth because you could see it pretty immediately. Uh, and then John Stevens Jr. or John Stevens Jr. later in the game uh, goes down with an ACL as well, and an undrafted free agent out of Louisiana Lafayette that had shined all training camp as well. Let's start with Overshown Isaiah. I mean, without him in the fold, feels like there's already a void. Even though this defense is stacked, and there's a lot of a lot of position groups that are very deep. I don't know if linebacker necessarily counts in that regard. No, every, pretty much every position group on defense is dense aside from
1: linebacker. And I think everybody would probably go on record saying that that was a one position group that you were probably uneasy about mm-hmm. if there were to be an injury at any point in time during the season um, or preseason. They were not in a position to be able to afford an injury. I mean, even with Malik Jefferson went down sure yeah. they've they lost two worried. guys now yeah, i was worried with malik jefferson and obviously his is not season ending mm-hmm. at this point um but he's he was fighting for a roster spot but even with him i'm like okay he went down who all right that's, whew, that's about all they can afford you know um it sucks now i mean i feel for him i've unfortunately been in the situation as he's been in and it's terrible it's he has a a positive outlook and it's it's awesome, right his spirit is awesome, his outlook is awesome um but that's forward facing and that might very well be internal as well, but he's gonna need some support because yeah. i mean he knew what he was doing, you know on the field he knew the product he was putting on the field he knew how the shape he came in, he knew how prepared he was when he when he stepped on the field, he also knew the value, and the coaches know the value of of what he provided to the team and you now take that element out of it, right? I say, regardless if you want to title him a linebacker or a safety, I mean, he's, you know, J. Ron Curse. It's just, that, yeah. that's what he is, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty much what he is. I don't care what number you give him. I don't care where you put him at on the field, third, third level or second level. He's another J. Ron Curse. And he was going, and Curse was going to appreciate him because yeah. he was going to take some of the physicality off of him. Now you miss that. Um, And now you're asking somebody else to step into the fold. Devin Harper is fully capable to come and play linebacker, but he doesn't have the versatility that DeMarvin Overshawn has. He doesn't. I mean, he he could be as great as he can be, but nobody else possesses that versatility um, aside from those two players on the roster, Curse and Overshawn. And now you're missing one of them.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I I think gut punch is the best way to say it, especially with those two guys. And going into this preseason, the the, the linebacker depth was thin, but I, I feel like everyone had an agreement that it was capable. And now you have two guys down in that room, one for the season. It almost forces you to make a move there when you could have made that same move for offensive line, or mm. maybe you don't have to make that move for kicker now, so maybe that's the maybe that's the cancel out. But um, I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. But I think this especially really sucks for John Stevens Jr. because it basically resets where he was at whenever he entered training camp because he's going to have to go back and to training camp next year as a second year player oh this guy was great at training camp last year but he he got hurt so we got to see it again and so he's basically got to start right back over and prove everything that he's proven this this training camp so i think it especially hurts for john stevens because once Overshone walks back into training camp next year everyone knows what that potential is everyone's going to put him in those positions to succeed and not that they're not going to put positions for john stevens jr to succeed it's just i think that's going to be a lot harder for him to do
4: yeah, I just go back to that first preseason game. One of my biggest takeaways from that game was, man, I feel a lot better about this linebacker group with the way Damone Clark and DeMarvion Overshaw yeah. played. Because going into that game, that was one of my biggest concerns or biggest question marks. It was like, what do they have here outside of Leighton Vander Esch? You saw signs from Damone Clark last year, but you're like, you want to see more there? And the way the, those two played early in that game, I was like, well, that answers a lot of questions there. They got to feel great about linebacker now. So that happens, and it just, I don't know. The way that the injury happened, too, is just such a freak. And also, he's making a big play, too, no when he goes down. Uh, but just to happen out on the sideline like that is just, I don't know. It just, it's not like any ACL is, you understand it, but that is just so much worse when it happens on something that you're just like, I can't believe that that's the play that's going to end his season. But for me, personally, I just look at linebacker. its i am I think it might be the most dangerous position in sports, and I think a lot about, like, the Chris Borland's and Luke Keekleys and the Patrick Willis's that, you know, we got to see a lot of greatness from especially Willis and Keekly, but they both, you know, hung it up early. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a tough—I mean, heck, just here, Sean Lee, it just always seemed like if it, it was one thing after another. Leighton vander's had his, his issues, obviously. Um, it just—it's such a dangerous position that you just almost never feel comfortable about your depth there. But now I look at the roster, and I'm like— I almost feel like you got to go out and try and get some type of a veteran, uh, at least for some depth. You don't necessarily—you're not going to get a DeMarvian Overshown, but you're going to need probably some depth there.
2: Yeah, filling the void not only from a versatility standpoint is is pretty much impossible for a guy like DeMarvian Overshown who's missing, but then it turns into a numbers game because depending on how long Malik Jefferson's out, you have Devin Harper, Jabril Cox, Leighton Van Der Esch, Damone Clark— Am I missing anybody? I mean, uh, there might yeah. be one more name that I'm missing, but uh, for the most part, that's it. Uh, those are your four guys as a linebacking core. And like John said, all it takes is one hit. And just like it did with Demarvin at Overshown, just as it did with Malik, Def- Malik Jefferson, it takes one hit. There are some names out there. Kyle Van Noy is still on the open market, 32 years old, spent last year with the Chargers, former Patriot. Definitely uh, he would be a veteran He's to a bring true, in. a true linebacker. True inside linebacker. Uh Jayon Brown from Las Vegas last year. He's 28 years old. He's on the open market. Gerard Davis, John Bostic, Micah Kaiser, Jermaine Carter. Those are just some of the names that are there. So there are options. Now, are they exciting options? No, but at this point in the process, you're not going to see a whole lot of exciting options. I think last year you saw it with Anthony – Uh. With Anthony Barr, bringing in Barr and bringing him into the mix. But that was even a training camp. This is later than that move was made. But that was a similar move for depth and a guy that could play in a rotation and linebacker should something happen to Leighton Van der Esch. And he ended up playing next to Leighton Van der Esch for quite a bit at the start of the season.
1: I think this the conversation about trade equity has to present itself again. Um, mm. As you start looking to where you're actually deep at on this team, defensive line guys are most likely, guys are either going to get let go. Or you're going to get traded. It's just, it just is what it is. It's a numbers game at that position. They're just too deep. They're too deep at that position. Um, and there's too many teams that need solid defense alignment. So you might – obviously, I'm, I know – I'm pretty sure they're looking around rosters, looking, trying to say, okay, who's a little deeper at the linebacker position and, or even like position flex. Maybe somebody has a big safety that we can bring down, you know, who necessarily hasn't fit in with that scheme sure. and their, their current team that would fit in perfectly here because – I don't think that Dan Quinn and this defense is looking for a true linebacker. They don't want another true linebacker. And when I say true linebacker, I'm talking about a Van Der Esh or Damon Clark. Those are true linebackers. Like put them in the box, come downhill, take on offensive alignment. They're looking for some people with some ver- versus, you know, some flex. And that's what Overshone provided. And equally as excited as they were about Overshone on defense, they were just as excited about John Stevens on D- on offense and what he was how he was coming along and the and the assets that he provided them when they got down to the red zone, we saw it in camp, you know, when they got down to the red zone, who was going in there? Well, all right. It was was either Hendershot or or Stevens. That's pretty much what it was. And Stevens, you know, AKA stretch, he's, he's a big body. And Mm -hmm. um, I know Linda Wells right now has to be crying in a car because that was his project. You know, that was coach. Don't cry. Don't cry in a car. Hey, cry in a car. That's okay. We
2: all, it all happens. (laughs) It happens to everybody, but don't do that coach.
1: um, But you know I know a lot of attention is going to be put on Overstrom because he was a higher high draft pick, and Stevens was, you know, obviously got picked up. But he has a, a bright upside as well, a bright, bright, bright upside. And he was coming along camp, and they were going to give him the time. I believe they were going to give him the time that was needed to become a, tr- a real asset as a tight end in this on this roster. Um, I know a lot of people are going to say, "Well, was he going to make it?" I think he was trending more towards making it. Yeah, personally
3: absolutely I agree uh, two quick things on the linebacker depth a um, whenever we were on the conference call with Mike McCarthy yesterday he mentioned Devin Harper Jabril Cox as guys that are gonna have to step up he also mentioned Tyrus Wheat on drafted free agent of hmm. Mississippi State correct Mississippi. yes yeah okay mm-hmm. Mississippi State um, a, a guy that has a little bit of that versatility between um, the first and second level not necessarily yeah. second and third but uh, honestly overshone I feel like eventually he was going to grow into that body where he was more of the first second level and, hmm. and that's just because of his past his background at Texas because they transitioned him from that safety down to linebacker, put all that weight on, saw that wide frame, and then he was rushing the passer a lot last year at Texas. So I felt like that was what he was trending more towards, but he has said before, I can play on all three levels, mm. so I'm sure they would have toyed about or toyed around with some different ideas. But nevertheless, uh, Tyrese Weets a guy. Also, second thing on linebacker depth, I think waiver wire is going to be very interesting next week in that department. I think that's going to be they're going to look around at some guys and try to pull somebody that they can at least put in the depth of that room and watch them work. And also, I wouldn't mind seeing Isaiah Land get some get some opportunities in, the, in, in that instance as well. I know when he first came in, uh, he had talked about inside linebacker as well, and I mm. think he has an interesting skill set for that. He's
1: wreaked havoc on the D-line. Yeah, he has. He's been he fun. Has, and
3: I don't want to take him away from that. Yeah, That's the him thing. and Wheat,
1: both of those guys have been yeah, beasted on the D-line in the preseason. Absolutely. I mean, when those two are in together, it's like, oh, crap. Well, this might be your fourth or fifth D-line, but Y'all better strap up as the offensive tackles because these mm-hmm. guys are gonna—they're gonna cause
2: you some havoc. They've been—they've been fun to watch. Both yeah. those guys were very high uh, on the draft board for the Cowboys during April, and and they were high priority free agents going into that that process as well. So having both of them there and and showing out, I think, is encouraging. It, it, it's tough to see guys go down, but like Nick said, I mean, this is an opportunity for some of those those young guys to step up and and kind of fill that void. And then especially with cutdowns, I mean, this is different than what we've had in the past. It's one day NFL rosters are going from 90 to 53, just like that. And, of course, practice squad and stuff goes in there as well. But it's all one day. There's no t- sure. there's no tiered cutdowns this year. And so it'll be a mad scramble for a lot of these prospects that are going to be available on waiver wires and be picked up by other teams. I think the Cowboys are probably going to be looking at offensive line. They're going to be looking at linebacker and possibly kicker, depending on what that looks like as well. All right. When we come back, we'll wrap things up here on Talking Cowboys. We have a busy week ahead. What should you be looking out for as the Cowboys return to training camp at the Star in Frisco with more Talking Cowboys right after this?
5: Go online at BlackRifleCoffee.com and fuel up with the official coffee of the Dallas Cowboys. That's
6: BlackRifleCoffee.com
5: to fuel up today. Hey, honey, can we talk? Of course. What's up?
6: Well, I just thought you should know I've been curious about the new Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream.
3: (gasps) Have you felt this way a long time?
6: No, I just think I'd really like the taste of Dr. Pepper swirled with layers of flavor.
0: If you feel
1: that way. I think you should try it, babe.
6: It's amazing. I mean, you're amazing too.
0: <laughs> new Dr. Pepper strawberries and
2: cream, the new flavor you deserve. Want to use the Cowboys' locker room's favorite products? Check out the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Playmaker, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The Playmaker includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word COWBOYS. The Jack Black Playmaker, 10 bucks, free shipping.
4: Another day is here and you're ready
1: for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
2: Back here on Talking Cowboys. This segment is brought to you by Invisalign, the official smile of the Dallas Cowboys. Glad you're with us here from the SWBC studios. We will be back on Thursday, by the way, 10 a.m. Central Time. And you can go ahead and send some some text or get ready to send some text at that point. 817-290-3298. Uh, You've got the uh, the call line. We're going to take some calls on Thursday, gentlemen. How's that sound? I want to hear from Cowboys it. Nation. I am I want to hear from everybody. So be ready. Thursday, we're going to hear from the fans. We're going to talk a lot about the practices that we have coming up. Starting tonight, Cowboys Night at Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. 6 p.m. Things get kicked off in terms of practice. Before that, opening ceremonies at 5.15 you can watch Isaiah Stanback mm-hmm. and Nick Harris and Bill Jones and myself on the TXA21 broadcast and on DallasCowboys.com going live at 5.30. So plenty of ways to watch practice tonight. Isaiah, what are you looking for this week? We talked about the injuries. Putting those aside, what do you want to see from the team as they get back to Frisco and they continue to, to march toward week one? Healthy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> That's number 1. I mean, continue to put it together. I think it's this is a tricky week, right? Because as coaches, you're still you still have a job to develop the players that you have on your roster, but you almost can't help but start letting your mind start drifting towards the regular season kickoff. Um for coaches, they know for the most part who's going to be on this roster. 95%, I would say they probably know at this point in time where the roster's at, most teams do unless somebody just has a, a turpin type day that just changes everything on its head um, these injuries put things into a little bit different perspective offensively i would imagine that sean McKeon's job is probably secure now mm-hmm. um, defensively you're you're looking at other people's rosters and you're trying to figure out okay can is cox going to you know, present himself the way that we would like for him to come off of his ACL from a couple of years ago. Um, is Devin Harper going to be able to fulfill the role? You know, on special teams. What does Bones Fossil think? Is, are these guys showing up on special teams or enough to be able to be on the roster at, at linebacker? So you're you're looking at some of those. That's probably that five percent that, that that you're probably taking a look at. Um, so you're getting those guys prepared to do that, and you're just trying to get out of this week healthy, honestly. Um, and then you, then your mind switches over um, next week. So. That's where I think that this team needs to be focused on right now is continue to execute, stay healthy, um, build upon this offense. They're probably going to start expanding the offense within practice, I would imagine, not necessarily forward facing, um, but practice. You have to start, hey, motions, different position, uh, different personnel groups. OK, we're going to start adding these different flares to the offense and start building on it. But this is hard because the threes need to get reps, but your ones also need to start getting their reps too so it's a tough week
3: yeah and at the same time that's focus is slowly starting to f- shift over to new york giants that's yeah. What I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah we had asked um uh office coordinator brian schottenheimer last thursday somebody had did when the pre- preparation for new york starts and he said within the next seven to ten days so that, that probably tells you right after that oakland game new york film let's get it so um that's that's coming soon but uh, yeah they're playing, they're playing oakland Man. Mm. man, man, strike, strike one, strike that one. Stuff. Las yep. Vegas, there Las you Vegas go. Raiders. We're gonna keep you in check, man. I'm, t- I'm, I'm typically. You're the good youngest about that. one on the squad. You shouldn't be saying Oakland
4: more than anybody. <laughs> no, at least
3: I didn't say Los Angeles.
4: Yeah, that's fair. That would have been, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting. I'm looking forward to that offensive line. Yeah. you know, being on that conference call yesterday with Mike McCarthy talking about how, you know, this will be the first time for the ones to get team reps together because obviously Zach Martin. You know, is, is worked his way back in. So to see what the offensive line has, that's very high on my list. Um, you know, when you talk about getting prepared for the Giants, I kind of feel like they've been preparing for the Giants all off season. And when I say that, I mean that there's just a lot of stuff that they're not going to show offensively. Yeah. That, and 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 that's what makes my time covering the team. Maybe there's another game that I'm not thinking of, but I think this might be the the most I'm looking forward to a week one, just because. You know, I mean, you had Jason Garrett going to Scott Linehan, going to Kellen Moore. You had some similarities on the offense, and they will, there will be some carryover. But there's part of me that's thinking that there's going to be some stuff that we see week one. They were just like, whoa, where was that? Like, just that they just didn't want to even show it, to even have it out there. And so maybe we'll see a little bit of that stuff in some of these practices here. Maybe we won't. Maybe they're, they're going to hang on to that stuff uh, for week one. But little things like that, I, I, I'm looking forward. Certainly, I would like to see some of these linebackers step up. You know, when you mentioned Jabril Cox, one of the first things I go to is, and I hate to be negative like this, but with him, he showed signs of being a player before the knee injury that you're like, yeah, he's going to be a player. Mm -hmm. And then so it makes you wonder, too, with the thing. You just can't automatically assume he'll get right back to what he was right away. I mean, the ACLs take a little bit of time there. So you really need a Jabril Cox, Devin Harper to step up. Um, So that's another area for sure. And then just because with the offensive line, Still, my number one concern is really that the depth on that offensive line. I just I wouldn't feel great about anybody having to come out and any backup having to go in yeah. at, in week one right now.
1: Yeah. I was just about to lean in on that. We've kind of looked past the O line and Matt Willesco's uh, injury. I think he had a, sublux, a subluxation of his shoulder. I've had my fair share of those, um, and it was his opposing shoulder from last year. Yeah, different shoulder. So,
4: yeah. So okay. So since you've had those, <laughs> what what's the worst part about them? You can't punch. Okay.
1: You can't punch. There's no shoulder stability. Your shoulder's unstable. I can't hold, I can't stop you from pushing through me when my shoulder capsule isn't solid. So, that, I hate to think about it like that. I mean, the the trainers and the doctors make the final ruling on that stuff, but just from my experience, I don't see that being a viable option anymore. And that sucks for him back-to-back years. But, like, now, well, let's go. If you take him out the picture, Hoffman's been getting... Pretty, done in pretty bad on the old line um, you know not beish but um, Barniak Farniak, Farniak mm-hmm. hasn't had the preseason that you'd like from the half so to your point w- what happens right I, if, if somebody goes down
2: I did like in the second half of that game the other day I thought the interior of the offensive line did okay It was Matt Farniak, Brock Hoffman and Josh Ball those were the three guys on the interior but I didn't say that until the latter parts of the third quarter. Whenever they were whenever they were playing in the second quarter, I wasn't saying, wow, look at this interior offensive line. It was late in the game whenever I finally made a mention to myself and said, ooh, um, okay, well, now they're doing work. So I think I'm with you. Is against the ones, I, I don't feel comfortable with any of those guys going in. John said that a second ago as well. But if if you're going up against the twos and the threes, they're always going to look okay. I mean, that's part of being a two and a three, but that's what they are. I mean, they are – reserves for a reason on that offensive line and I don't think they have a guy that they feel comfortable with throwing into a, a
4: spot situation I just think that okay this is a team that if not even looking at any other team just looking at this current Dallas Cowboys team maybe I'm taking it for granted but I, there's a part of me that thinks okay you see so many of the offensive linemen that the Packers have under Mike McCarthy that mm-hmm. were drafted later and then just on this team you see how they were able to develop a guy like Terrence Steele where do I think Terrence Steele has got the upside of Tyron Smith? No. But there were times where you were like, man, this might, they might have something here. This might be a swing tackle, maybe even a starter. I, I don't say that about any of the backup offensive linemen right now. Yeah. I really don't.
2: I think the number, the only guy that I've even remotely thought about that
4: is, or that way of. I'm interested if you're going to say the same person as me. So I'm thinking
3: of the same thing, too.
2: TJ
4: Bass. Oh, I wasn't. What, what was were you thinking? thinking. I was what were gonna, you, that's a good point, though.
0: I, I was going to say, go. "Well, let's go." I was no, saying, no, "Awesome." Well, Richards. let's go. Last year, I, I, I was
4: yeah.
2: underwhelmed at times with what let's go in this camp, for, yeah. for, for obvious reasons. And now he's coming back from injury. I think before the injury, I looked at it and I was like, "Okay, maybe yeah. this guy could do something." Especially last year, I felt really good about what let's go. So him coming back from injury, I expected that again. I don't know if I ever got that. That re- I don't know if he reached those expectation levels for me. I think TJ Bass exceeded my expectations for TJ Bass. And so I'm not saying he's ready to be your backup right guard by any stretch of the imagination or backup left guard or wherever you want to put him. But at least he's shown that he can exceed the expectation that I had for him initially. And I don't know if I could say that about any of the rest of the offensive line.
3: I would say with Austin Richards, not necessarily that he's exceeded any expectation, but he's yeah. done really good in adversity, being able to battle, coming in as the starting left tackle on two days notice, fighting in that after position. After playing guard a lot. After playing guard the entire camp, and then switching mid-game to guard, doing that in the, both of the games. And I, I, I think he's, he's definitely held his own there, and I've, I know I've emphasized it many times, but I don't want to cheat his process there. So if it takes you know, later in the season to where he even gets on the field, I'm cool with that as long as he feels comfortable doing it at both of those spots. But I feel like they're lining it up to where he can be that reliable option on the, um, a tackle or at
4: guard. So who's your swing tackle? Awesome Richards. Awesome
3: Richards, yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. That's, see, but that show you have a fifth-round rookie, Yeah.
4: and that's your swing tackle. Yeah. I don't think yeah, anybody we'll should say, feel though, confident like that. I will say, though, if you told me that, yeah. though, that during Terrence Steele's rookie year, I'd have been like, all right, that's fair. You know what I'm saying? like, mm-hmm. And he was undrafted. so Yeah, so he, he had even less stock. Maybe in there's him. just a lot of luck involved with finding.
2: Maybe. I uh, you know, mean, don't...
4: obviously, this this organization has done a phenomenal job at finding him in the first round. There's sure. no question about that. But after that first round, it just, I don't know. It's almost like corner with me <laughs> where it's like some of these corners you'll take like in the second or third round. And then you get and, – and there's just so many ups and downs. And then you get like a Duran Bland where you're just like, and I never really saw any ups and downs. And he just seemed like nothing was ever too big for him. How did that guy not go in like the second or third? I don't
2: know. Yeah. Credit to them for drafting, but also it's never a perfect science. Yeah.
4: Never really is. All That's right, I Deuce say, Vaughn ends up in the sixth round. Yeah, exactly.
2: How about that? Deuce Vaughn,
4: again fantastic uh in week two i just feel like we should mention his name every show I we got, to get let's, let's just throw end. it in <laughs>
2: <laughs> i don't know how it took to this point in the show to, to mention deuce Vaughn. another touchdown has he earned enough real quickly is he earned earned a day off on saturday a
4: day off A day off <laughs> no. pads off
3: no i don't think so i think tolbert no. has and i think rico dowdo has but i don't think I don't
1: think yeah
4: rico has. won't touch the field i don't imagine i, I don't need to see any more of sam williams to be honest with you okay I don't want to see any De'Mone Clark at all. He yeah. was playing. Oh, yeah. He was, way was way
6: playing
2: special show. teams in the <laughs> second half of that game. Please get him off the field. Let's wrap him up in bubble wrap and get him to Week One. Uh, I, I think I agree with you. I, th- I think all three running backs are going to play again because based off of Mike McCarthy yesterday in his conference call, he said Ronald Jones is going to be hard pressed to make it to the field That's a good point. Saturday. So. I don't know if they're just going to roll with two, and it would be Deuce and Malik Davis. I I think they'll probably keep.
3: They could roll with more carries with Hunter Lipke. That's what I was going to say.
1: Maybe yeah. I think it'd be Malik Davis, Deuce, and Lipke.
2: Yeah. Okay, not a bad, not a bad trio, not a bad option. All right, Uh, quickly one player to watch this week at, at Cowboys practice. Go, Devin Harper. Devin Harper, Zach Martin.
3: Ah, oh, oh, that's oh a good my one. Goodness, I was going to say Zach Martin. It's his first time getting getting on the offensive line, so I'm gonna I'm gonna back off that. Okay, he's been
4: he's been like staring at me this entire. You know how like there's those pictures <laughs> where like well, I don't know if it's the Mona Lisa <laughs> where the eyes like. Follow you, like I, I just every time I look at Kyle, like right he's over like staring my shoulder, beam
2: could probably take my and it's camera. Probably and Probably as point angry at him. as I've
4: ever seen him. <laughs> yeah, there he is, right there. It's
2: right, right there. That's Zach Martin. You can't see the eyes, but they are looking at John. And hey, that's yeah.
3: the name of the episode, Mona Lisa.
2: <laughs> oh, there it is. There's the eyes. Look at there. <laughs> looking at John the whole yeah. time. And then there's Micah looking at Isaiah, at, at Isaiah all across the room. All right, uh, mine is... Man, Zach Martin's a good one. I'm going to say Awesome Richards. I want to see... If we're gonna put him, if we're gonna make him our talking Cowboys swing tackle, then I want to see him step up and continue to play better. Um, so yeah, I'll say awesome Richards this week at training camp. I want him to learn from Zach Martin a little bit as he gets back out on the field. But that's gonna do it for us here on this Tuesday edition of Talking Cowboys. Again, we'll be back on Thursday. 10 a.m. Central Time, right here from the SWBC studios. For Isaiah Standback, John Machota, Nick Harris, I'm Kyle Yeomans. Come on, John, get with it. Yeah, yes. little Let's chopper. Get, get out of here on Talking right. Cowboys. We'll see you on Thursday.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about
6: this, Cowboys? Yeah.